So thank you again, everyone, for being here. I, um, as I said, this is the first time I've done a Dharma class online from my room. I've taught classes from here. I've had groups and such, but not my regular, my regular Saturday class that I've been doing for 11 and a half years. This is the first time I've done it from home. So uh, yay us. Thank you all for being here. And uh, uh, we're here for a very specific reason because of coronavirus and COVID-19. We're not here because we said, hey, let's change something. But I know there's folks from out of town, the folks from not L.A. Um, in this call on this call. So it's exciting. And I think what I'll do is um, when we get to go back to meet in person, I'll keep doing an online version so we can keep having folks join us um, who are from somewhere else um, and see how that goes. Some of you have, I don't think, I know a lot of you have sat with me before, but not everyone. And what I find is incredibly important, and I've, I've believed in this for a long time, is to make the Dharma relevant and to make the, the Dharma well, the Dharma in 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 uh, there's a couple of translations of Dharma. One is the teachings, the teachings of the Buddha, and the other, which is um, the bigger the bigger understanding of Dharma, is the way it is. It's like the present moment, what is actually happening, clearly seeing. Um, that is the Dharma. We kind of swim in the Dharma, whether we're aware of it or not. So to think that the Dharma is not relevant is is a, a misunderstanding. And I, I've had people in the past um, in classes when I talk about something that has gone on, like you know, when there's a, I remember when there's a, the shooting at the the. Um, the nightclub in Orlando or Charlotte, Charlottesville or something that's happening in the world that's really big. And if I talk about it in a Dharma talk, people say, why are you bringing something out there into here? And that's a false separation. That's a false sense of other because we practice. We're in we're in this room, so to speak, practicing so that we can take what we learn outside so if we keep the two separate they'll be really difficult to um, to uh, integrate and this is these teachings and this practice is about integration it's about integrating what we're learning into our experience so that we can be um, be aware while we're walking around it doesn't do any good to be aware while we're sitting and then be totally oblivious while we're walking around so that's why I think it's relevant. How do we bring the Dharma to bear on walking around? How do we bring the Dharma to bear on what's happening right now? And there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of shit happening right now. There's a ton of stuff happening right now. Um, you may have noticed. Um, and it's worldwide. It's not just this pocket here, that pocket there. But there's this there's the there's the craziness of it but i'm also getting a sense of this shared humanity one more time we all have this recognition that we're experiencing the human condition not everyone is in that place but a lot of us i feel i've spoken to a lot of people that have this sense of oh 
one more time when there's a and you hear people talk about this a lot when there's a tragedy or when there's a challenge, how people kind of come together. And I feel this is one of those opportunities that we can come together, even when we're not coming together, coming together in spirit, so to speak, even when we're locked in our closets like that. I didn't watch that video, but I heard that video of um, this um, street in Italy. Oh, now I'm going to cry and I don't know why, <laughs> but just the move the, so moved by those people who were locked in their houses singing. It reminds me of prison movies too, where they're all in their, their, their cells making noise just to have some connection. So this, this idea of connection is so important. So I find the Dharma really enables connection because what the Dharma does, it helps us to, um, demolish the walls to disintegrate what keeps us separate from one another. So if we can learn how to turn towards uh, uh, our fears or turn towards what is difficult in our lives, what separates us, the judgment, the criticism, the, the fear, the anxiety, whatever it is that keeps us separate. If we can learn to turn towards it, we can learn to be with it. We can learn to chip away at it and let it dissolve. Then we can be more present with each other. We can, we can, we can experience connection, that interconnectedness that we all have, whether we're, we're clear on it or not, it's there. And so it's really important to, uh, cultivate that. And, um, you know, I, 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 so that's what that's why I think it's important to bring the world into the the room into the the teaching. It's e extremely important to apply this practice to what's happening out there and and so there's a lot of anybody feel any anxiety over the last few days or weeks? Couple people. <laughs> couple people and it's to a greater or lesser extent I think we've all been touched by this because where we are I've I believe it's this sense of groundlessness I mean the Buddha talks about groundlessness we we strive to have this soul this solidity we want we want to know what's going to happen we want to see clearly we want a, a promise of if I do these things, this will be the result, and hopefully the result will be um, uh, one that's uh, uh, good for me, one that serves me, but or one that's beneficial to me, and that I can count on it, that I can depend on it, that it'll always be there. But that's that's unfortunately that's not how the world works. There's this there's one of the characteristics of existence is impermanence. And my intention at the beginning of this year was to become more intimately acquainted with impermanence. And I, I said this in my email that I sent out yesterday, but this is not what I had in mind. <laughs> this impermanence was, but you know, who has this in mind? But this is, this is the impermanence of, um, this is the groundlessness of life. And this is it. In, sometimes it's subtle and small. Like when our favorite shoes break or something like that and we have to let go or we lose something that we really like and we don't. And so that's impermanence. There's change. And then there's this. This is impermanence. What we know is shifting. What we're comfortable with is not there anymore. 
Um, so what happens is we have this reaction, which is fear, because we're, we're losing something that's important to us, or we're afraid we're going to lose something that's important to us. Um, and it shows up in all kinds of ways. And a lot of times it's just free floating and amorphous and not even, um, not even um, attached to anything. And it, and it's, triggered by our senses we experience everything through our senses we see something we smell something we hear something we um our physical experience is we have some kind of physical experience uh, you know our gut tightens up we think something and then we're off and running if we're not paying attention talking anybody been to the grocery store lately um that's fun <laughs> I see your faces. And if I don't see your faces, I know what your faces are doing anyway. Um, so just for an example, I went to the supermarket, I think it was Thursday morning. And Thursday is when the shit hit the fan because we found out on Wednesday that Tom Hanks had the coronavirus and then the NBA stopped. And those were like, oh, now it's real. Before that, it was kind of like that free floating. I don't know. But then Tom Hanks and the NBA and then of the dominoes started falling on Thursday. So I went to the supermarket on Thursday and it was packed. And I was like, that's weird. That's mid and I wasn't even putting two and two together. I just had to go pick up some stuff. And I and it was packed and the shelves were empty. And I went, wow, that's really weird. And I got, I think, one or two of the things I needed, mostly not. And then, and then I went back this morning, and I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. She went yesterday morning, and she found herself buying stuff that she didn't necessarily need. And then I went this morning, and I did need a few things, and they actually had what I needed. I was at Trader Joe's, and I had my little basket. But then I saw other people with baskets, full, full, full baskets, Five things of soap, hand soap, you know, hands dispensers and a whole bunch of macaroni and cheese. And when I started feeling this, hmm, maybe I should get two of these. Maybe I should buy some bread. I don't need bread. This bread will probably be stale by the time I actually use it. But maybe I should buy it anyway. And I started, I started, what happens in this, the Buddha talked about this. I have something through one of my sense doors, through the eye. I see something with my eye, and then I immediately, it starts a train of thought. I no longer am in the present. I auto, automatically, or I, um, yeah, I just kind of easily move into the future. And the future of, oh, I don't have any macaroni and cheese. I better buy some. I never eat macaroni and cheese, but this craving was created. It's this, this, all of a sudden, I took birth as a person who needed macaroni and cheese. I, and, and what I was able to do gratefully, but I, I, and then I started feeling it in my body. There started to be a tightness in my belly and a little tightness in my chest. And it's like, oh, what's going on? Oh, I, I better, uh, 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 this fear started taking over. And then I stopped and I went, I don't need any of this. This is not why I came in here. Um, it's going to be okay. I, it's, I don't think it's the apocalypse. I really don't. Um, 
And so I just bought what I needed and then I came home. And I, I felt good. I'm still, there's, there's a little bit, I, I'm aware of a little bit of, of um, discomfort, a little bit of tightness, but I'm willing to say, you know what, that's a natural reaction to what's going on, but I'm not going to let it drive me to do things I don't want to do and buy things I don't want to buy. And I live in Burbank. And there are four gun stores within about a mile and a half of my house. I don't know how that happened, but there's a gun store right around the corner. There's one up the block. There's one up there. And there's one about six blocks away. And there are lines outside these gun stores. People have been going in and out and in and out that you can't find parking on my street because there's and, and I can tell because for some reason they're all wearing camouflage. <laughs> People are going. The people walking up the block in camouflage. And I told my husband, he goes, well, how can you see them? And I know he's right. I shouldn't be able to see them because they're in camouflage. Anyway, um, there's some kind of fear that I'm assuming I'm making this broad assumption. But I'm guessing that this is being driven by what's happening, too. Because if you watch the zombie apocalypse movies, you better you better get your weapons because this is the great unknown. We don't know. So what we do when we don't know, we go to our our places that we think are going to take care of us. You know, this will give me some sense of control. If I have a case of toilet paper and a case of mac and cheese, I'm okay. And I'm thinking back at the on the 50s, that's what they did with the bomb shelters. You got to lay in all these supplies. You got to lay in all this stuff so you'll be okay. You'll be okay. And, um, you know, even earthquake kids don't say to buy that much toilet paper. I don't think they earthquake kids even mention toilet paper. Um, so, so that's where we go. And this is just, this is just this particular circumstance. You can spread this out to anything that happens in your life. Something moves into your brain. Some idea takes over and you're immediately trying to figure out how can I how can I fix this unease? How can I take care of this discomfort? I don't like what I'm feeling. I don't enjoy um, what's happening in my in my in my world. And there's a quote I taught I talked about fear about six weeks ago in uh, my class. Uh, I talked about fear and the practice of rain, which is a, a meditation kind of a niche a, a, recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture, or nurture, um, uh, uh, a way to hold what's going on in your body. So I talked about fear just like six weeks ago, and there's this paragraph that I may have written, I may have found somewhere, I don't know, but I want to read it uh, again because it's so appropriate, because this is what so many of us are experiencing right now. Fear wakes us up in the middle of the night. Even fear that has been buried can show up at 3 a.m. Hazy memories come out of the fog and we feel them even more than we remember the details. Cold sweat, unease, unpleasantness in the body, heart races, and a million frightening scenarios come from the mind and perhaps with nothing to do with what is underneath. We numb, we blame, we act out, 
we just don't look. Fear is this amorphous thing that just moves in and it causes this discomfort, this unease. Um, the Buddha even talked about it um, in one of the suttas. If I can, I had this the other day. And I, no, oh, it's somewhere else. I don't have it in front of me, but um, yeah, that that fear is is there. You know, it can be. Um, we have this fear of uh, right now. We have this fear of the unknown. We have this fear of what's going to happen. And we have fear of the economy. Fear of physical discomfort. There's a lot of unknowns. There's there's a lot of reasons to be uncomfortable. But do we want to live that way? Or do we want to recognize that, yeah, it is the unknown, and how do I how do I hold it? How do I how do I sit with it? How do I not let it take over? How do I stay present right here, right now? How do I come back to this? You know, and and this this paragraph touches on this thing: hazy memories come out of the fog. Things from years ago, a lot of stuff may be triggering things that we haven't experienced in a long time. You know, so um, fear can just take over, but we probably don't want it to. We probably don't want to let it take over. We would really rather live in a way that we acknowledge the experience of what's happening, but don't let it rule us. And so the invitation is always to turn towards. The Buddha says, turn towards. When we feel the fear, that's the first noble truth, that suffering, that what if I lose this? What if I don't get that? What if this happens? What if that happens? That's the first noble truth. That's There is the discomfort of being a human being. There's the, there's the uncertainty, the groundlessness of the world. There is no certainty except change. Sometimes big change, sometimes little change. Sometimes it's fear of, We've all been, we've all had um, difficulties. We've all been hurt. We've all had really painful experiences in our lives. Sometimes we want, we're, we're struggling to avoid repeating those. We get caught up in this, I don't want to go back there. And so we're so caught up in, in what was and trying to fend it off from happening again. So we're in the past, we're in the future, we're not in the present. So we have to let go of the past, acknowledge the feeling that triggers, and tend to the feeling rather than tend to trying to fix. See, when we, when we experience unpleasant ex emotions, we, we have uh, kind of a first, our first go-to is to um, fix it, take care of it. How do I make, how do I solve this problem? We label it a problem when it's not a problem. It's just what's happening. It's just a, 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 um, a totally um, logical reaction or response to what's happening right now. There's this great unknown, stock markets crashing, 401ks are disappearing, jobs, people are, are not getting paid, they're afraid they won't get health care if they need it. 
there's a lot of turmoil but we can be at ease with this turmoil by coming back to right here by turning towards intending to the turmoil that we're experiencing instead of trying to stuff it down or figure out buy shit buying stuff is a way to try and fix what's happening internally doesn't work it's never worked has anybody has anybody found that to work no hoarders try it all the time but they keep getting more shit they haven't ever gotten to a place I mean and and or whatever our whatever our go-to is sex drugs rock and roll whatever it is we have to be willing to not go into our default fix mode whatever our conditioning has has driven us to and come back to right now what's what's happening here you know how do we stay with what's going on what if this what if I really pay attention to what if questions if you find yourself asking what if see if you can let go of those what ifs because what ifs don't really um, serve and when you are um, when you're feeding the fears when you're nurturing them when you're letting them take you um, you're building up armor you know you're building up this inability to be with your own experience which cuts you off from being with others when you are willing to turn towards it's um, it's the journey towards being intimate with yourself and when you're learning to be or developing this intimacy with yourself it gives you an ability to be intimate with others so then you are able to connect with others which in its own way is a soothing helpful beneficial um, experience to connect with others even even connecting with people online in the grocery store or connecting with the the checkers because they're having a lot of fun right now um, so there's a lot of tension who is it Sylvia Borstein in the front of her, one of her books has the quote life can be so very difficult how can we be anything but kind so to be kind is so important the Buddha taught the Metta Sutta the loving-kindness Sutta he taught it to some monks who were terrified of the tree spirits who were scaring them they had camped out under their trees and the, the spirits of the trees were like sick of these monks and they started going scaring the monks away and then the monks went to the Buddha and the Buddha said here here's the Sutta here's the practice of loving-kindness go back and wish loving-kindness for all beings and that was the antidote to fear which seems so counterintuitive to be kind to be loving to be soothing but it's so important it's so wise it's it's um, it's been real in my world it's been my experience that when I learn to be tender and compassionate towards myself I can be tender and compassionate towards others it's how we dissolve the armor around our heart it's how we learn to be much more intimate um, 
much more authentic with ourselves. I'm looking at my notes. So what you want to do is investigate how you deal with fear, how it shows up. We all have different methodologies. You know, the, the, the standard fight, flight, or freeze. Do you run away? That's me. Do you fight? Do you freeze? If we freeze, we become invisible, or I guess that's the ostrich defense. You know, stick your head in the ground. They'll never see me. La, la, la. If you can't, if I can't hear you, then you can't hear me, or you can't see me. We develop all these weird methodologies and methods to take care of ourselves. But when we actually turn towards and acknowledge, it's so much more powerful because we're no longer running away. We can't run away from what's inside ourselves. There's that phrase, you know, wherever you go, there you are. We can't do that. So instead, we stop and turn towards. So know, first thing is to know how you, how you deal with fear. How do you turn towards fear? Or how do you run away from fear? How do you deal with the stuff that's coming up now? How do you, how do you have you historically dealt with um, um, scary things in your life? Or when those emotions come up that you don't want to feel. How do you relate to them? Or not? You know, we're really good at stuffing, stuffing, stuffing. Um, I was talking recently about a practice called soft belly practice. Where we breathe into our bellies. Because we keep so much tied up in our bellies. And to begin to soften down there is a very powerful practice. Because when we're willing to feel what's what's really present we don't have to run away so we don't have to be afraid because we've 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 developed tools to hold our feelings our emotions with kindness and gentleness there may be fear but we move through the fear we don't have to get rid of fear before we take a step we can hold it and take a step anyway um, there's a practice that, that has come up um, a lot. I, it it popped into my mind a few weeks ago, and now I find myself talking to a lot of people about it, and it's Tang Len. I don't know if you are familiar with the practice of Tang Len, but it's, um, uh, let's see, excuse me. It's um, Tang Len is uh, a Tibetan practice. And it's breathing in and breathing out. What is it? Uh, I wrote down what it actually means. Um, I think it means in, in and out. Oh, Tonglen means giving and receiving or breathing in, giving and receiving. And what you do, it seems almost counterintuitive. You breathe in the discomfort. You breathe in the fear. You breathe in the pain. And you breathe out compassion and kindness, or you breathe out what's what seems to be most necessary. You breathe out ease, you breathe out peace, you breathe out safety, you breathe out comfort. So you breathe in whatever the fear is, and you breathe out compassion, kindness. It's really a lovely practice, and it's one that you can use in the moment. You don't have to sit down on a cushion 
and take time and do a metta practice. It's really just like when you when you find yourself and learning the body is really helpful with this. When you find yourself, whatever your physical reaction is to fear or um, whatever challenging emotion is arising, when you recognize that, oh, my jaw is tight or my hands are like tight fists, tight balls, or my, my gut is this solid mass when you recognize those things in yourself that can be a trigger to or a clue to go oh let me just breathe in this fear whatever it is breathe in this grief this sadness breathe out compassion like it says it seems counterintuitive but it it's really powerful Breathe it in, breathe it out. And what you're doing is you're you're breaking that cycle of fear and you're being willing to turn towards by saying, okay, let me acknowledge you're here. I'm going to acknowledge it by breathing you. I'm going to acknowledge it by saying, okay, you're here. Breathing in and breathing out compassion. So it's this, this using the breath, which is a grounding practice, and then using the mind to cultivate the wisdom. So you breathe in whatever it is. And so just take a few moments now. Just shut your eyes if you want to. And just reflecting on the last few days, the last few weeks, the last you know couple of hours even. And what, what's coming up for you? What is coming up for you around some kind of fear, some kind of discomfort? What discomfort is present for you? And just breathe that in. Take a moment and breathe in whatever that discomfort is. And then on the exhale, breathe out some compassion, some softness, some love. Whatever seems to be the, the response to that, if there's fear, can you breathe out safety? If there's grief, can you breathe out compassion? If there's loneliness, can you breathe out connection? If there's insecurity, can you breathe out support? Whatever you feel you need as an antidote to this fear, allow that to be what you breathe out. And you take as long or as little as you need when you do that. So I invite you to do that for just another few moments, breathing in the discomfort, breathing out the ease. Breathing in the discomfort, breathing out the ease. And whenever you're ready, I invite you to open your eyes, coming back to the room. So that's a way 
to begin to deal with what's happening right here, right now. The shoulders hunched with the clenched jaw, with the waking up in the middle of the night. This is a way to turn towards. This is a way to be kind. And oftentimes what's really helpful is, is physically touching yourself, putting hand over your heart, your shoulder around your neck, sometimes holding yourself like this, Let's see, around your chest, around your belly, one hand one way, one hand another. These are really, really grounding um, uh, things to do for yourself. So don't be, don't be afraid to touch yourself and hold yourself in these ways. It's a supportive, and it has some, it does have some impact on, I don't know which kind of nervous system. I want to say parasympathetic, but I'm just making that up. Um, it has, it does have an impact on um, our nervous system in some way. I just don't know the science behind it. So do that for yourself. Do that in a calming way for yourself. And um, so those are my thoughts on, on what, what we might be experiencing, what you might be experiencing, and perhaps a way to turn towards it. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.